Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hi everybody, this is Petey and I want to welcome you again to Petrifaction Horror Stories. Today we have another great show for you. This is about the Pascagoula incident that happened in 1973. Only we went into this a little bit in episode 6, so you might want to go back and check that out. But we're going to get a little bit deeper into it. Actually, Calvin Parker speaks out. He has a book out and this is his story, so... We're going to listen to the story from Calvin Parker and see what he says. And it's a really good story. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's been 47 years since Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson contacted the Jackson County Sheriff's Office claiming they were abducted by aliens. Recently, a recording said to be made that night of what they told Sheriff Fred Diamond and Captain Glenn Ryder has surfaced. It was about the time the coronavirus hit, Parker of Moss Point said, of when he received two copies of the recording. I'd been talking with him on the internet. He just showed up at my house. When I sat down and listened to it, it hit me how real all of this was, Parker said. It kind of choked me up a little bit. I've never heard it, not the full recording, just the piece where Charlie and I were locked in the room and they walked out. I was surprised they had the whole thing on tape. At the time, Parker said he did not know there was a recorder in the room. I had no idea, Parker said. Apparently, Charlie didn't either. The interview took place on October 11, 1973, after Parker and Hickson claimed They were abducted by aliens while fishing from the bank of the Pascagoula River. 
news of the event thrust the two into the media spotlight and put the town of Pascagoula on the map. It was unwanted attention for Parker, who tried to distance himself from it. However, events in Parker's life led him to feel he needed to tell his story, and he published a book in 2018 detailing his experience. Once again, the event became the center of attention for many, and Clarion Ledger published stories about the book and other people claiming to have witnessed unidentified objects in the sky that night. Now the 47-year-old story continues with the release of the interview recording. In a 2018 interview with the Clarion Ledger, Parker said he noticed blue light reflecting off the water, and his initial thought was that law enforcement officers had arrived to tell the two fishermen they needed to leave the property. However, when Parker looked up, he realized the light was coming from a craft like nothing he'd ever seen before. A big light came out of the clouds, Parker said. It was a blinding light. It was hard to tell with the light so bright, but it looked like it was shaped like a football. I would say just estimating it was about 80 feet. It made very little sound. It was just a hissing noise. Parker said three legless creatures floated from the craft. One had no neck with gray wrinkled skin. Another had a neck and appeared more feminine. Parker described their hands as being shaped like mittens or crab claws. When one of the creatures put one of its claws around his arm, Parker said he was terrified, but then another feeling came over his body. I think they injected us with something to calm us down, Parker said. I was kind of numb and went along with the program. Parker said the creatures held his and Hickson's arms and floated them into the craft where examinations were performed on the two. Then they were returned to the bank of the river. After some debate, the two decided they needed to alert authorities and ended up in an interview room at the sheriff's office. During the interview, Parker remained silent, something he regretted when he listened to the recording. I was wishing I'd really opened up to them and told them everything, Parker said. Hickson, who has died, tried to explain during the 1973 interview what happened and what he saw, including going into the craft. And they glided me into that thing, Hickson said. You know how you just guide somebody? All of us moved like we were floating through the air. When I got in there, they had me, you know, they, they just kind of had me there. There were no seats, no chain. They just moved me around. I couldn't resist them. I just floated. I felt no sensation, no pain. They kept me in that position a little while. Then they'd raise me back up. Hickson also tried to describe a machine he thought was used for a medical examination. No, it wasn't like no x-ray machine, Hickson said. There ain't no way to describe it. It looked like an eye, like a big eye. It had some kind of an attachment to it. It moved. It looked like a big eye, and it went all over my body, up and down. And then they left me. Hickson answered many questions and described the aliens as being about five feet tall, with a single leg and foot appendage without toes. 
He said they had what appeared to be ears, a nose, and a mouth, but none of the features looked human. He said he was scared. He couldn't remember if they had eyes. He also said he couldn't remember details about leaving the craft, only Parker's reaction. The only thing I remember is that kid Calvin just standing there, Hickson said. I've never seen that sort of fear in a man's face as I saw in Calvin's. It took me a while to get him back to his senses, and the first thing I told him was, Son, ain't nobody gonna believe this. Let's just keep this whole thing to ourselves. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had to let some officials know. After the questioning, Diamond and Ryder left the room. Ryder, now retired and living in Van Cleve, said he didn't believe any of Hickson's story. I wasn't really impressed with them, Ryder said. You have people trying to get notoriety, and I thought they were trying to get notoriety with a spaceship. While Parker and Hickson were alone, the hidden recorder was still recording. What was recorded changed Ryder's mind. The two talked about fear, sleeplessness, and needing to see a doctor, among other things. At times, it was almost like they were talking to themselves. Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this, see, Hickson said. But they could have, you know, I, I guess they, well, they could have harmed us, son. They had us. They could have done anything to us, but they didn't hurt me. Parker spoke mainly about his anxiety. I just want to cry right now, Parker said. What's so damn bad about it is nobody's going to believe us. I got to get home and get to bed and take some nervous pills or something. See a doctor or something. I can't stand this. I'm about to go all to pieces. I can't sleep like it is. I'm damn near crazy. The two continued talking and Ryder still remembers Parker's words. I put them in a room with a voice-activated recorder and that convinced me, Ryder said. When that boy was talking about them coming back to get us, you had an 18-year-old boy that had never seen anything. He was genuinely scared. He was telling Charlie, Don't talk to the deputies. They'll come back and get us. They didn't make it up. I can guarantee that. Joey Nelson of Mobile was 25 at the time and traveled to make money playing pool. He said he and two friends were driving on US-90 on their way to win some money on the night Parker and Hickson claimed to have been abducted. That night we were going to New Orleans, Nelson said. I would say we were probably in between Pascagoula and Biloxi. We were driving and talking. Nelson was in the front passenger seat, and when he looked ahead, he saw something he'd never seen before. We were just mesmerized. A big orb of light was up in the air, Nelson said. We saw that, and nobody could say anything. Nobody could move. Nelson said the three were traveling at about 75 miles an hour when something came out of the sky and hovered in front of them. After a while, a small ball of light came down right next to me, Nelson said. It was about the size of a beach ball, I'd say. I don't know how far away it was, but it seemed like if that windshield wasn't there, I could have touched it. It started flashing and clicking and flashing and clicking. We could audibly hear it. I know it sounds crazy, but it seemed like they were taking pictures. 
seem like it was in front of me ten minutes. I don't know. We were just mesmerized. And then it streaked away. It shot off, and I've never seen anything move that fast, Wilson said. It just shot straight up. I don't know if the small orb joined the big one, but they were both gone. Nelson said none of the three knew what the larger orb was doing during that time because they were so focused on the smaller orb. When it left, Nelson said the three felt like they came out of a trance. It was like we woke up, Nelson said. We couldn't move or gain our thoughts until it was gone. The following day, Nelson saw the news of Parker and Hickson's encounter and said it was confirmation of what he'd seen, but he let 45 years pass and is only talking about it after reading recent articles about Parker. I talked to Ricky and Jimmy, who were with Nelson, but other people would have thought you were an idiot, Nelson said. I wasn't going to tell anybody. I kept quiet a long time. Rosie Nall of Moss Point had a similar experience that night, only she was almost 300 miles away. I was in Bruce, Mississippi, Nall said. I lived in Calhoun City, but I worked in a little garment factory in Bruce. I was staying with a girlfriend. It was after I bathed the girls and put them in bed. We went to the back porch. We just wanted to talk and have a cigarette. Nell said the home she was in was in a rural area with few lights. She likes to identify constellations, and so she was looking at the night sky. I saw a falling star, Nell said. Then I realized it wasn't actually falling. It was moving across the sky. It was at the 2 o'clock position, and when it got to the 10 o'clock position, another light shot out of it. The larger light moved downward and seemed to get closer. It also began to get larger. Nell said it became so large it looked like the sun. Nell said it began changing colors and dropped to the horizon. Nell said dogs began barking from all directions, as if they were trying to attack something. Nell said she walked into the yard to get a better look, but when she did, she was overcome with fear. I froze, Nell said. I was terrified. I don't know what I was terrified about. Her fear could almost be heard as she told her story. As I'm talking, I'm reliving it, Nell said. My heart's beating. My chest is tight. My hands are shaking. That thing terrified me. The scene then played itself out in reverse. The large light rose and became dimmer and smaller. The smaller light joined it, and it shot out of sight at a 45-degree angle. The next day, she was at work and heard about Parker and Hickson on a radio. Everybody was laughing and making fun of these guys, she said. I didn't think it was funny. I was dumbfounded. I believed those guys. Nell said she felt it was time to tell her experience because she recently read an article about him and realized they both lived in Moss Point. I wanted Calvin to know not everybody thinks he's crazy, she said. I believe him. Parker said he's glad more people are coming forward and said he's received messages from people who saw something that night on a near daily basis. They're all coming out of the woodwork, Parker said. It makes me feel pretty good. I'm not the only one who saw something. Most of these people are credible people. 
Parker, who remained largely quiet about the event for most of his life, said the best part of his experience has been writing the book and getting everything out in the open. I was able to sit down and talk with my family and friends about it, Parker said. It was like a weight was lifted off me. It's been a big life-changing experience. Brought to you by LegacyBrewing.shop One type of especially strange cryptid entity are what are typically called winged humanoids and are basically just that, creatures with vaguely man-like features yet featuring ominous wings spreading out to allow them to alight into the air. Such reports run the gamut from winged men to more monstrous things, more animal than man, but all of them occupy a unique realm within the world of the weird, seeming to dwell in a domain that seems impossible to reconcile with what we know of the world. One such winged abomination has been spotted over the years along the massive Mississippi River in which seems to be some sort of humanoid bat from the depths of a nightmare. One of the first and perhaps most well-known of the few sightings of the creature that would come to be known as the Man-Bat of the Mississippi was made in 1991 by a witness who was out one evening with his two friends in their hometown of Mantachi, Mississippi. They were up to a bit of no good at the time, hanging out by a liquor store, trying to get someone to buy them alcohol since they were all underage something the witness says they did around three times a week. They managed to get some and take it to their usual hangout at a nearby park at approximately 9 p.m. But before they were even able to enjoy the fruits of their labor and open a single can or bottle, something very bizarre would occur. The witness says, We pulled up to the park and started to get out of the truck. We'd not yet opened the booze, so the booze did not influence us. I was sitting in the middle, and my friend was getting out of the passenger side door. When he got out, and I got out, I noticed the sound of a tennis ball bouncing on the tennis court. I looked and saw this figure bouncing a tennis ball. The figure was about six feet tall and was wearing a dark cloak. It looked to me that he had some sort of pouch on his back. Me and my friend, who got out of the truck, saw this figure and told the driver of the truck to look. He did and saw the same thing. In a flash, we jumped back into the truck and headed down the road to figure out what we'd just seen. We got a few miles away and in the distance we saw, coming at us, a large bat-like creature. It was several feet away from us, but you could make out the red glowing eyes. It passed right in front of our windshield and vanished in the darkness. We rushed to one of our houses and didn't drink that night. We didn't do anything but stay there all night. I'm a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, but I do know what I saw. 
In the 1980s, the Soviet Union launched the Phobos program to study and explore the two moons of the planet Mars, Phobos and Deimos. The unmanned probe called the Phobos II was one of two such probes which were equipped with loads of some of the most state-of-the-art instruments and equipment available, as well as two small landers that were to be deployed to the surface of Phobos. The two moons were already considered two of the most enigmatic objects in the solar system, with the famed author and scientist Dr. Carl Sagan once musing that the acceleration of Phobos didn't make sense and that it must actually be hollow. And this mission was to be the first good look Earthlings had ever gotten. Unfortunately, some very weird events would take place that all did not go according to plan, and so would begin the tale of a probe possibly destroyed by aliens. The mission actually started off very smoothly and with much promise. Phobos 1 was launched on July 7, 1988, and Phobos 2 on July 12, 1988. Although a malfunction took Phobos 1 out of the picture in September of 1988, while still in transit, the Phobos 2 operated perfectly for the entire trip all the way to Mars, collecting data along the way and inserted itself into orbit around the planet on January 29, 1989. It was here where it began to experience problems, with two of its three onboard computer systems experiencing malfunctions. Yet, after taking numerous photos of the Martian surface, it nevertheless soldiered on towards its final destination, which was the moon Phobos. It did manage to approach the moon and carried out three successful preliminary encounters with Phobos, taking 37 high-quality images of the moon's surface before things got really strange. On March 28, 1989, the Phobos II, which had been performing admirably despite its computer issues, just abruptly and without explanation stopped working, right as it was synchronizing into a permanent orbit around the moon. This might have been chalked up to a mere system malfunction, but it gets a little weirder when looking at some of the evidence surrounding it. First of all were some of the photographs set back by the probe in the time leading up to its demise, which were seen as very curious indeed. In one of these images, the probe's last image just before contact was lost, during a time in which it was aligning itself to the orbit of Phobos, there can be seen what appears to be a long, spindle-shaped or cylindrical object, estimated as measuring about 20 kilometers long and one and a half kilometers wide, and which appears to be somewhere in the atmosphere between the probe and the surface of Mars. Although it might be easy to write it off as an optical illusion or shadow, the structure was photographed on two different color cameras from slightly differing angles and it also turns up in the infrared footage. At the time, even the chairman of the Soviet equivalent of NASA said of the photo, one image appears to include an odd-shaped object between the spacecraft and Mars.
Adding to the mystery were other photos taken earlier by the probe, which seemed to show strange rectangular forms on the surface of Mars, making it even more mysterious still would be that it was later stated by the Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad. It was later stated by the Kaliningrad Control Center and reported in the October 19, 1989 issue of Nature magazine that an investigation into the death of the Phobos II had concluded that the probe had been spinning wildly after its final transmission, almost as if it had been impacted by something. You can perhaps see where this is going. The idea among some of the UFO community is that this probe had stumbled across something it was not supposed to see, and that it was either struck by the object in the picture, which was called a mothership, or shot down by it. It certainly doesn't help that the Soviets refused to release the images in the first place, long refusing to show these frames to the public, with most of this being leaked to the West by a Russian astronaut and pilot by the name of Colonel Dr. Marina Popovich, causing whispers of a cover-up. Ever since it's been suggested that the cylindrical object is nothing more than a shadow of Phobos, the moon, and that the end of the transmissions from the probe is merely a coincidence, but others have pointed out that the outline appears to be too distinct and the shape not consistent to the shadow of the moon, which has actually been photographed before. The more fringe idea is that there is something out there that does not appreciate our snooping around. And indeed, there have been an oddly high number of such Mars probes and missions that have experienced difficulties or have been lost. One more recent high-profile case was NASA's 1992 Mars Observer mission, which was meant to undertake a two-year mapping of the planet's surface but which was suddenly lost in August of 1993 when it disappeared without a trace. There has been so much trouble in studying Mars that, of course, there are some who speculate that perhaps there's something out there that does not want us there. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at Petey at Petrifaction at ProtonMail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified. <laughs>